winter was here, but we are just getting started on our Game of Thrones rewatch for season six, episode two of Game of Thrones Home. And now here are the two guys who are back to just not from the dead. I am Rob Sister here with Josh Wiggler. Josh, how are you? <gasps> Whoa. Oh my God. I've been holding my breath in for the entire intro of that podcast. And what the listeners don't know is that you took like three minutes to actually get to an intro that you liked. So it was a long time. That was close. That, that was close. Was close. Okay. Oh, but we're back. We're, we're alive. Back. We're, we're back. home. So we're is home. Jon Snow. We're home. Theon's going home. Everybody's home. And soon we will be back watching new episodes of Game of Thrones. We are only months away. Months away. Months away. It's getting close. It's getting real. Jon Snow is back. We barely missed him. He was only only mostly dead. Now he is uh, now he is uh, more than slightly alive. He is fully alive at this point. Yes. And I remember being very frustrated in the real time during this where it really looked like what we're still Jon Snow's still not going to come back to life here. Right. And then, I mean, in the final moment of this episode, obviously, it's like, OK, thank you. Thank you for like no longer insulting you, our next. intelligence. You know, yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's just it is frustrating, right? Because so obviously Jon Snow was not going to be dead forever. And for him to even be dead for the vast majority of two episodes, I think, is too long. Uh, so g- glad to have him back. Glad to just start getting into the meat of season six, because I think the lack of Jon Snow in these first two episodes you really feel it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I even felt like the last couple of minutes of the episode where Melisandre is working on reviving Jon Snow and nothing is happening. I felt like uh, we could yada yada this. There's a lot in these first two episodes, actually, that I think are in like decisive yara yara material. Right. Like, I think that there's a lot here that you could just kind of move right mm-hmm. past um, when you look at these two episodes together. And I, I think a big part of that is this decision, this creative decision to stretch out the Jon Snow death for as long as they do. And even though it's only two episodes in a series that is going to span, I think it, at its at its end, some I think it's gonna be 73 episodes total once this is all wrapped. And it's just two hours uh, of the show. But it's a very meaningful two hours. And especially when you're trying to get into the get into the meat of season six and really start to to move this story forward for this to just kind of be like clogging the story drain for as long as it does mm-hmm. uh, with all of that Jon Snow hair that's been snipped off that is just blocking the drain. Uh, <laughs> you really, you really feel it and the water starts like gathering up around your ankles and it's lukewarm and nasty and uh, sorry. I just, Very uh, vivid metaphor. I know, I yeah. know, I apologize. I do think when we take a look at some of the things that Game of Thrones struggles with, it does feel like some of these season openings can uh, last a little bit longer. And then the endings, for the most part, like the last couple episodes of seasons, typically are really, really strong. But I think that sometimes just like getting out of the gate, I think they struggle. Uh, Yeah, I think it's like premieres and finales tend to be some of their quieter hours. You know, it's like it's it's this balancing act that they do where they are like, closing down the shop and then reopening the shop in the morning. Uh, And for season six, at least, it's really taking a long time for them to, like, open up for lunch. It's like, you know, come on, it's 1130. Please be open. I know that I'm here a little early, but I really want that sandwich. Just open up. Open up. Is it a Reuben? It's a Reuben. It is. With macarons in the window Uh, display. All right. So it's been a minute since we've seen Bran. And uh, we're going to check in with Bran for the first time since the season four finale. uh, 12 episodes off uh, or 11 episodes off and uh, 12 since we have last seen him. And here is Bran. And we are going to see him in the great weirwood tree. And we are flashing back to the uh, young Ned days. Yeah, I I wonder, Rob, if you think is the only reason that we didn't see Bran at all in season five. Was it like an Isaac Hempstead right issue? Was it something where because he's he's either he's growing too fast or I believe that I had read uh, that, you know, he had schooling to finish up. And so he needed to take a year off. Do you think that's the only issue or do you feel like 
creatively, they felt like the story of Bran getting his powers and learning the ways of the Three-Eyed Raven could not sustain itself across two seasons of the show, and they needed to take that season off so that this story could recharge. To be honest, I never heard the first reason. I always thought it was the second thing. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, the first part of the first reason, the, the fact that Isaac Hempstead Wright just turned into a gigantic man. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's the stuff of legend. Uh, so so I feel like, you know, for him, I, I do believe that I've read somewhere. It may have even been in a conversation that we've had on the record. I'm trying to remember, but there's just too much. At you this and point. Isaac Hempstead Wright. Yeah, I've, I've interviewed him a couple of times for THR, uh, and I can't remember if it's something that he had said or if it's something that I had read elsewhere. Um, but for you, I, I guess this is this is what I want to drive at. You thought that it was just a creative thing. Yeah. So if that was the case, and if that is the case, like if this is most mostly like a decision from on high, from the D's, from David and Dan, and they felt that they couldn't give us two compelling seasons of Bran learning the mystic arts of time travel and vision walking and green seeing and all of this cool tree magic. But we could sustain two seasons of blind Arya and Bravos. <laughs> hey, look, don't fault them on this one. They were on the right side of history here. Don't get on them for uh, the Arya side of it. Say that they could have taken that down, too. Well, I'm just saying I wonder if a lot of that season five damage could have been mitigated if they extended this story out, because I think there's so much here. And by the time we're mm -hmm. catching up with Bran in season six in episode two, in this scene where we're going to see him walking through the Winterfell courtyard and seeing his father as a young kid and seeing young Hodor and all of that uh, and seeing um, uh, young Roderick Cassell, who looks oddly like Seth Rogen. I don't know if, if that picked up for you, but he looks like exactly like Seth Rogen. And it's very, very weird. You know, I feel like he, he just lands here in season six with so much knowledge already. Like he's, he, he's already so far along on this path. And I just, I would have loved to have seen a little bit more of the journey. I think like that storyline actually could have been very compelling because while the character is physically grounded in one space, uh, you know, he's stuck underneath the tree, his mind and his spirit and his existence is capable of traveling all across time. And I think that there's so much plot material that they really mm -hmm. could have chewed on more if they had let us into that earlier. So that's something that I kind of mourn. I think that that's maybe one of the big storytelling mistakes Game of Thrones made if it was a, a pure storytelling choice and if it wasn't somehow the request of the actor, uh, I, I think it may be a, a, one of the big blunders when we look at the show in retrospect. And you don't think it would be too redundant to have Arya in Bravos training to be uh, one of the uh, faceless people and then Bran up uh, in uh, the Great North training to be the Three-Eyed Raven? No, not at all. In fact, if anything, I think that it's thematically linked. So that's kind of neat. And beyond that, I think that it helps you tighten up the Arya material because you're going to have this new storyline that you need to accommodate for that. It's going to force the Arya material to have to be a little slimmer. And that's probably a good thing. So I think like, you know, stretching this story out across two seasons, but tightening it a little bit more would force that Bravo storyline to be a little bit tighter and leaner as well. Okay, so speaking of tighter and leaner, uh, we are going to see Bran Stark for the first time. I think also part of the thing that is really jarring is that he's also standing up in the flashback. So we haven't seen him stand up on the show since season one. And now it's, oh, my God, he's six feet tall. Right. <laughs> At least he's six two. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, that that is the thing, right? Like, I really think like that's the that's the thing that they have to write around. And that I understand is this idea that this this man is uh, this child has turned into a man very quickly. Uh, so they, they maybe need to give us a year to adjust to the idea that when we come back to this storyline, Bran's going to be a lot bigger than the last we saw him. But yeah, he's standing around. He's palling around with a three eyed raven who also looks slightly different. Mm hmm. Yeah. Different actor. Why, why does Bran have short hair in the vision, but then still has his long hair when he's with the Three-Eyed Raven? Oh, I didn't notice that. I thought that he had short hair all the way around. Um, oh, does he? 
I thought so, but maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, maybe he's just like in his in his vision. He's like his ideal version of himself. So he's standing around. He's walking. He's maybe. extremely tall. He's got like the short cropped, you know, hair. Uh, he's just like looking. You know, he's got a real good look, as the as the kids like to say. Okay, so we're seeing what here in the flashback. Can you describe this, Josh? So Bran and the Three-Eyed Raven are kind of like standing in the the Winterfell courtyard from that like sort of the the bridge on high where they're looking down at young versions of Ned and Benjen Stark sparring each other. Uh, And it's, you know, very evocative and uh, nostalgic of the very beginning of Game of Thrones all the way back in September of 2017, Rob, when you and I were embarking on this rewatch. You know, really calls back to mind that first scene in the the Winterfell courtyard and this is some moment that the three-eyed raven feels that Bran really needs to remember um and ultimately I think you know maybe we'll kind of understand why at least from an audience perspective why this is an important scene a lot of the people who we are going to be tracking across the Bran storyline this year are present in this scene uh so I think that's that's probably why we are here we're going to see more from Benjen finally this season we're going to see a lot more about the the reveal about Lyanna Stark later this season we'll see Ned as a younger man this season and of course poor Willis Poor Willis. Right. And so we're going to see Willis involved uh, with the sparring match. Uh, who's he going to take on? Benjamin? I, I don't know what was about to happen here. I'm sad that we never got to see it. Yes. And uh, here comes young Nan. And young Nan is like, oh, no, he's a stable boy. Get him yeah. out of here. Yeah, I'm definitely team old Nan. I think I like old Nan more than <laughs> young Nan. Do you think she was old Nan even then? Yeah, <laughs> that's just her name. Uh, old hyphen Nan. Like yeah. spider hyphen man. Right. I was watching an old episode of uh, Parks and Recreation recently, and the shoeshine guy uh, was named Old Something, and he was talking about how he's always hated that name that he's had forever. It didn't even make sense when he was younger. <laughs> Why are you watching Parks and Rec? Just for fun? Just, just for, for funsies? Fun. Oh, yeah. I love it. That's great. Yeah. And so, all right. Hodar has been uh, pulled off, but we see Bran sees he can talk and and Bran didn't know this about Willis. He's very interested in this. I mean, Bran is very interested in all of this. You you get the I mean, for for the knock that I just, you know, just laid out on the feet of this uh, storyline, I think. One of the things that they do because they have such limited time to tell us as much as they want to tell us about what's going on with Bran, one of the things they do effectively here is really get you feeling exactly what Bran is feeling pretty much right away. This is our first time with this character in so long. And one of the things that you pick up on is he loves it here. He loves it in the dream world. He loves going back Mm -hmm. to the past and looking in on all of this stuff because these are the people that he's lost. They're young. They're vibrant. Not only that. Bran can walk around. It's a very different experience than him just being in like the tree dorm all day long. Uh, You know, I don't think that he's a big fan of where he is in the real world, but where he is um, mentally and emotionally and where he's projecting himself. This is a place where he wants to be. And I'm sure that he would love to know a little bit more about why Willis is Willis and Mm -hmm. not Hodor yet. And he's going to find out. Yeah. For Bran, uh, it, it's not unlike uh, when somebody uh, plugs into Pandora so they can uh, go and be one of the uh, blue people. Right. And uh, like just like <laughs> writhe around amongst the unobtainium and and uh, and worship uh, the great spirit Awa. Right. <laughs> Jake's, right. Jake Sully is going to be showing up here by the three eyed raven any minute now. Yeah. Bran, come on. You're, you're done. He's like, no, I want to stay. Uh, yeah. So, all right. Hey, look, it's beautiful underneath the ocean, too. But if you stay there, you're going to drown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three eyed raven played by the phenomenal actor Max von Sydow, who is uh, taking on the role this season. And uh, he's got no time for Bran's bullshit. You know, he's a very stern, austere father figure here. Yeah. And Bran is like annoyed. He's like, oh, this is the first thing I wanted to see that you showed me. It's like, uh, oh, Bran, 
Watch yeah, it. May- maybe that's Benioff and Weiss talking directly to us, being like, "See the other stuff. Like it wouldn't it have been boring. very good. It wouldn't have been very good. You wouldn't have liked it." Brandon even like it. Yeah. Okay. Hard to so, hard to imagine it would have been worse than the Sand Snakes and the Wave, but you know, yeah, <laughs> got to take their word for it. So um, yeah, Brand starts asking uh, Hodor a bunch of questions, like, "Oh, Hodor, I saw you there," and uh, I'm like, "Yeah, I didn't know you could talk." And uh, he's like, "Hodor." Uh, yeah. Like, hey, where's uh, where's Mira? Hodor? Like, uh, why why is Bran giving Hodor the fifth degree? I mean, I feel like probably at this point, Bran can speak Hodor. Don't you think so? Like, don't you think that like he has understood uh, some of the Hodors? You know, I feel like he's got the inflection. So maybe they've got a little bit of a shorthand. It's kind of like Han and Chewie. Uh, where like he could just like sort of like pick up on on the language where we cannot. Uh, so I think that he wants to know. I think he's genuinely curious in Hodor. Like Hodor, what happened to you? Why can't you talk anymore? Um, and he also wants to know where Mira is. I think one of the things that we're picking up here is that all of these people are very very miserable here uh, by the Three Eyed Raven, except for Bran, who is slightly less miserable because at least he goes on these magic vision quests, and everybody else just has to like chill out with Leaf. And Leaf's friends, and mm-hmm. they're probably not great conversationalists. I just want to fact check myself that I believe it's, uh, he gives him the third degree, not the fifth degree. Hodor can plead the fifth, but he's getting the third degree, I believe. Yeah, sure, 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 sure. Fair enough. I, okay. I definitely wasn't going to roast you on that, but somebody absolutely was about to. Yeah, I hate that. I hate yeah, that. I know. So, Josh, uh, we go and see Bran. Uh, he's like, hold on, go put me outside with Mira Reed. I got to see what uh, see what's going on. And Mira Reed is, uh, I think, maybe an avatar for the audience. Like, OK, uh, what's going on? Let's get, let's go. Let's let's move it along here. Chop, chop. Let's get back. Mira Reed of the main characters on Game of Thrones uh, to say that she has it the roughest, I feel like would be to oversell it. But she's got to be like in the conversation of tertiary characters or secondary characters, if you even want her to be on that level. They just get a really raw deal like she shows up in the middle of season three or is it season? Yeah, season three to to team up with Bran. Like mm-hmm. we've got this epic vision quest that we got to take you on. And she goes and it it gets very cold and it's very boring and her brother dies for basically no reason and now she's just like sitting here by a tree for at least a year doing nothing Carl tanner wants to be horrible to her exactly like she has to meet carl <laughs> carl effing tanner from gin alley uh <laughs> and then like we're gonna get to a season from now and doesn't brand just basically be like hey thanks for the lift see ya mm. <laughs> thank you next i think is what <laughs> happens to mira ultimately yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Next is the story of people that carry Bran around. He's like, yes. all right, <laughs> on to the next person. Yeah. I think Bran is a, a very toxic character to be associated with on Game of Thrones for sure. Mm, he uses people. And then yes. uh, once they can't carry him around anymore, you're like, that's yes. it. Get out yes. of here. Yeah. Get out of my face. Yeah. All right. So anyway, uh, Bran uh, tells Mira that like, well, look, we're, we're, we're making a lot of progress in there. Trust me. She's like, I guess. I don't know. I have no idea what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're, we've got a war to fight, and you're going to fight it from the tree basement? Yeah. And uh, is this Leaf, the child of the forest? I think so. I, okay. think, that's, I think that's her name. Okay. Uh, she's like, look, he's not going to stay here forever. Just just let this play out, Miri. Yeah. Yeah. Brandon Stark needs you. He isn't going to stay here forever, and out there he needs you. And it's like, technically she's right. You know, technically, Bran's going to need a lift back to Westeros, but as soon yeah. as he gets dropped off, he's going to he's like going to leave the Uber without even giving a tip. Right. Uh, this is like one of those stories where there's like a movie where then like one person like becomes like famous and uh, becomes like, uh, you know, uh, really like wanted by everybody. And they have like an agent and a manager. And then it's like the real friend who knew the person like when they were younger is like, come on, let's get out of here. Like uh, and then the manager is like, hey. Bran doesn't have time for you anymore. Why don't right. you let us work with with Bran? Yeah. So wait, the children of the forest is it. the management. Yeah, yeah. They're like part of his team. I mean, like Three Eyed Raven sounds like an evil production company for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's go back to Castle Black, where Davos is holed up, and that he is uh, waiting for uh, hopefully some reinforcements to show up. But uh, we see Alistair Thorne is saying, "Like, all right, let's let's break the door down. 
Yeah, let's get this going here. Yeah. Uh, and so Davos smells what's up, and he's like, all right, we got to fight now. I, I really wish this wasn't what was going to have to happen. And he apologizes <laughs> to everybody. He's like, I've never been much of a fighter. Apologies yeah. for what you're about to see. And yeah. this guy who says he doesn't know really how to use a sword goes and grabs a Valyrian sword. Like, this is like somebody who's like never like fired a weapon before, like goes and grabs a bazooka. Like, this is the first thing that you're going to grab. You're going to get Valyrian sword. You're going to get like the, the Corvette of weaponry here in Westeros. This is ridiculous. Yeah. Give so, that to someone who knows how to use it. Yeah. He should have given the best sword to somebody that really knew how to use it. You're saying? I think so. I think that's the move. I think Davos give the best sword to somebody who knows how to use it and then like move to the back of the room. Ah, like go, yeah. like go deep into In the fairness, back of the room. You know, the parts of his fingers have also been cut off. I'm not mocking him for not knowing how to fight. You <laughs> know, who, who am I to, to say that? I'm saying like, there's maybe like you give the really good sword to somebody who knows how to use the really good sword and you just use like a bad sword. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Because I mean, what does it matter? Ultimately. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but just then, here comes a torment uh, with the reinforcements to take down Alistair Thorne. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Uh, the Gungans are here. Uh, the wildlings show up and they they come into Castle Black. And this is like Alistair Thorne's nightmare realized, isn't it? This is him being, uh, you know, seeing exactly what he feared come to life. Wildlings in Castle Black once again. And this time they truly do have the upper hand as opposed to the last time they were fighting here. And uh, we see one one really making a big That's statement a of moment. it. Great moment where he gets shot with an arrow by this one uh, like sadly brave and stupid guy who then just gets grabbed by one one and just like tossed into a wall one of two people to get smashed into a wall by a giant in this episode uh it's great i feel like we made that exact observation the first time mm -hmm. we watched uh, yeah. we, we went through this uh episode way back when <laughs> it's the highlight of the episode oh for sure for <laughs> sure <laughs> it's really really great okay so Ed is going to uh, make an arrest on Alistair Thorne, and he's going to say, hey, throw these guys in the cell. They're traitors. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Dolores said, it's like, you're the traitor. The only traitors here shoved a knife into the Lord Commander's heart. Hmm. Yeah, I guess it's a real he said, he said uh, in terms of the traitors. But the wildlings are here to uh, help enforce uh, the way that Ed sees it. So he's going to get the call on this. Yeah. So, yeah, he, I mean, and then uh, Thorne has some line where he's like thousands of years. The Night's Watch has held Castle Black against the wildlings. And Tormund really puffs up his chest. He's like, yeah, until you. <laughs> you blew it's it. Like, and Thorne's like, ah, oh, man, you're right. Yeah. Oh, God. So they're going to bring Tormund in to go and uh, see John's body. And he's like, oh, yeah, he took a lot of knives. <laughs> let's let's get that funeral pyre set up. <laughs> what, a, what an odd observation. Do you think so, um, doctor? Took a lot of knives. Do you concur? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh. OK, uh, let's go check out what's going on in uh, King's Landing. And boy, uh, one of the hottest comics in King's Landing. Uh, he is out there and he is uh, uh, really telling a story. What do you think this guy's name is? Mm. Do, you have a, do you have a guess? I would guess that is this uh, uh, Jim Tanner. <laughs> I was going to say Dick on Tanner. <laughs> no, Dick on Tanner, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so he has uh, a never, colorful he's never, story. He's never lost a stand-up battle. I don't Are stand-up battles a thing? I don't I think, think so, right? You have a roast battle. Is that real, a roast battle? Yeah, I think it's a show. I think Jeff like, Ross hosts a roast battle. Oh, wow. Is that a genre Sir, of... Sir like, Jeffrey of House Ross. <laughs> is that a thing that, like, has happened throughout comedy history or is that a new development i don't think so i don't think there's been a lot of roast battles but i believe it is currently in uh season three on comedy central oh I think nice it's a, it's okay like i'll check that out uh, uh so either way dick on tanner is about to get smashed into a wall for telling untoward jokes about the lannisters yes now do you think that uh uh sir robert strong did that did in the mountain hear 
about uh, this material? Um, I think it's not unlikely. Or did he just, I don't know, does he just like wait in like the piss alley and just like knocks in the yeah. heads of anybody who goes to the bathroom? <laughs> I don't know. I think we're supposed to believe that he heard the joke, but um, it doesn't really seem like that. Uh, this is like, like how, how do you get this information? Like a uh, gossip got passed to the mountain. I mean, it's not impossible. I, I think that you can imagine the through line of like Maester Kyburn being the new master of whisperers on the small council. Does he mm-hmm. find out that this is the guy who is like really crude towards Cersei? And if so, does he sick Sir Robert Strong on this guy? Uh, I think you can you can track that. OK. All right. Let's go to seeing what's going on with Cersei. And uh, Cersei is uh, going to get the update uh, that she cannot go to the funeral for Marcella. Uh, No, she's not allowed to. uh, And that is directly from King Tommen is uh, uh, banning his own mother from her own daughter's funeral, which is an aggressive move. Mm hmm. Yeah. Cersei wants to know who said, why can't I go? It's your son. What? Yeah. I don't know what you want me to say. It's your, your kid. He did this. Hmm. Okay. Last right, one. Well, let Last me talk to have. him and uh, he's not home. So she's going to have to yeah. set an appointment. He's not here. He's at the funeral. Yeah. That you're not invited to, that you've been banned from for tweeting before you were supposed to. <laughs> Tommen and Jamie are going to uh, have a chat. I cannot think of too many other interactions between Tommen and Jamie in the series. I can't think of too many either. Uh, and I, I'm, tr- I'm trying to remember if there have been any one-on-one scenes between the two of them to date, and I don't think so. Mm-hmm. But that's, you know, that's something where we're going to get fact-checked on immediately. And like, How could you forget the pivotal season four moment? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't think I don't think that they're there. The name day party where they mm-hmm. had a true uncle nephew bonding moment. Yeah. Uh, and we got to see Jamie with Marcella only a couple episodes back. And uh, I mean, luckily, this conversation goes better for Tommen than it does for Marcella does. But uh, we see Jamie talking to uh, Tommen about what's going on. Why didn't you let your mother come? Yeah, and she's like, well, you know, she wouldn't be allowed here, according to the the faith militant peeps. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't, you know, I'm scared. Yeah, I'm scared. I'm scared, Uncle. <laughs> this is sort of the the first time that we see like depressed Tommen. <laughs> yeah, sad Tommen. I- I mean, I do think that this is important for us to be tracking is just how sad and upset and overwhelmed this poor little Things guy are wearing is. on him. Yeah. Uh, heavy, you know, wears the crown, blah, blah. You know, Stephen would be upset with me misquoting, but of course he does not listen to this, so that's fine. Uh, but he's upset. He's upset. He's having a hard time. He's, you know, young. He's not really built for this. Uh, he's, a, he's a moldable king, but he doesn't really know uh, which way to go, and he doesn't have the right people to mold him, to guide him to mentor him uh so he's just very hung up here and doesn't know what to do his wife is in prison his mom was in prison his sister is dead his brother is dead his grandpa is dead his uncle's his dad there's a lot going on (laughs) goodbye grandpa (laughs) a lot going on (laughs) so for tom and he seems uh, upset yeah he can't he's the king he can't protect anybody you can't protect anybody. If I can't protect my own wife and my own mother, then what good am I? Uh, cue the high sparrow who's going to show up yes. uh, to have a showdown with Sir Jamie Lannister. And Jamie tells Tom, and OK, go see your mom and uh, ask for forgiveness yeah. from go your, to your room. Go to your room. Yeah. Uh, and then Jamie is going to like uh, have a real uh, meeting of the minds with the high sparrow, a scene that really doesn't matter too much no it was hard to get hyped for jamie v high sparrow and there's definitely a lot of posturing coming from jamie's part and he's mad uh he's talking about how uh, you must uh, want the next life to come you imprisoned and humiliated my sister uh and then uh, jamie like kind of gets into a stand up like well what about me huh huh yeah um yeah didn't i do bad stuff yeah he's and like, yeah. uh high sparrow asks him 
would you dare spill blood in this place? Like, hey, Jamie has no qualms about anything that goes on here, okay? Yeah, the gods won't mind. They've spilled more blood than the rest of us combined. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. 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 I like um, that. And then, you know, other faith militant are around, so Jamie doesn't really get to uh, strike down the High Sparrow. I think this is probably the best Jamie Lannister scene since uh, season four, would be my bet. Whoa. I mean, there's, it's, not, it's not ultimately that important, uh, but I think this is just like a quality Jamie Lannister scene. I think that this is just like Nikolai Coster-Waldo actually getting to have some fun on screen rather than all of the Dornish stuff that was just miserable. I mean, him catching the sword with his metal hand was kind of cool, but that was yeah. probably it. Yeah. Anyway, High Sparrow says that uh, when Jamie's calling them out for being nobodies, he's saying that, you know, we might be nobodies, but we can overthrow an empire. Yeah. When, when, with our powers combined. Mm-hmm. Sure. Sure, High Sparrow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's go that. back to Cersei, and she's going to talk to Tom, and she wants to know, uh, what color gowns do they have Marcella in, gold or red? Yeah, she just wants to know everything, and Tom's like, oh, Mom, I'm sorry. I should have invited you to the funeral, and I didn't know what to do. Yeah, he's sorry. He feels bad. Uh, he says uh, he should have executed all of them. Yeah, he starts to like get the real bloodlust. Like he's now he's talking like a Lannister where he's like, I should have mm-hmm. pulled down the sept onto the high sparrow's head before I let them do that to you. Yeah. But I didn't. Yeah, I do think that uh Cersei uh was probably more on the same page as Joffrey than Tommen, right? Uh yeah. I think she could relate to Joffrey more than Tommen. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think Tommen was always the sweetie poo, right? Oh, a little sweetie poo. But I think Joffrey was kind of like, yeah, this is sort of me. I mean, there were times when even Joffrey would scare Cersei, which I think was a testament to, <laughs> to Joffrey's capacity for cruelty. Mm-hmm. But it just, I think like his killer instincts were more in line with Cersei's for sure. Okay. All right. Uh, let's go over to Marine and Tyrion is trying to figure out, uh, okay, what, what do we do? Uh, he's going to start really hitting the booze a lot here in season six. I mean, it's been a minute since he's had a chance. He was on the road. He was in the Jorah Mormont road show for so long that I think right now he kind of feels like, uh, you know, what am I supposed to do? I drink and I know things. This is kind of my gig. And here I am. I'm trying to rule this place that I don't know. So if I drink, perhaps I'll know it better. A very memorable line from Tyrion. And so we're getting the updates. Slavers Bay cities have fallen. Slavers up. Uh, or masters up, slaves down. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's if you're right. scoring at home. Yes. And uh, Tyrion's like, well, what about don't we have dragons? What about the yeah. dragons? Why haven't we talked about the dragons? Uh, yeah, and, and this is a big deal, obviously, right? Like, you know, we haven't seen, uh, you know, we haven't seen much about this in a long time. But very, very, very early on in Game of Thrones, I believe it's episode three, when Tyrion talks about dragons and how he used to love dragons when he was a kid and he would read about dragons all the time. Uh, And he's been here in Meereen for, you gotta figure, a week, two weeks at this point. And he's just now bringing up the dragon thing. I feel Mm -hmm. like that's a real testament to this man's patience. Yeah. And we're finding out that the dragons are also depressed. Right. And they don't have booze. So yeah, they don't want to eat. Masande says uh, they won't touch any food since uh, Daenerys left, like to go to watch the fighting pits. That's they haven't left. They haven't eaten since she's been gone, because that sort of implies that she that they're upset about Daenerys being gone. They're probably very upset about Daenerys being gone. I think that's what this whole thing has been about. It's always been like, Mom, why? What did we do? Why are we grounded? What did it, it wasn't our fault. Uh, it was Drogon. He's the one. Uh, yeah, so like they got like set up and they got locked in the basement for a month or two. They didn't do anything wrong. They're just dragons. They can't help it. Yeah, but are they upset about being locked in the basement or are they upset about Daenerys uh, being uh, off with both. Drogon? I think both, you know, when they were like mad at Daenerys last season, when they like roared at her, I think it was because it was like, mom, you know, <laughs> let us out. Yeah. And so, all right. Uh, Tyrion, uh, he drinks, he knows things, he knows all about dragons and uh, we can't have a dragon queen uh, with dead dragons. So we need to let them out of captivity. 
All right, which leads us to just a really wonderful scene, still a very wonderful scene where Tyrion goes into the basement to go and hang out with the dragons and unchain them. And it's just a wonderful, uh, wonderfully written, wonderfully acted Peter Dinklage showcase here where he talks about, I'm friends with your mother. I'm here to help. Don't eat the help. Mm -hmm. You know, just like it's funny it's tender he talks about how like he wanted to have a dragon when he was a boy it didn't have to be big it could be little like me uh it's just like a very sensitive Tyrion scene where you're really cutting to the core of this guy uh and he he lets them free he opens up to the dragons and then he like gets out of there as soon as humanly possible and tells Varys the next time he ever has an idea like that please punch me in the face great line Great line really, from Tyrion. Really funny. Really funny. Um, along the way, we have wondered about this possibility that Tyrion Lannister may secretly be Tyrion Targaryen. I don't know how much we need to relitigate that in this moment in time, but if ever we were to relitigate it, I think this would be the moment. Uh, I just don't think it's something that we're going to get on the show. Yeah. Uh, I agree with you. I don't think we have enough time in these last six episodes to explore that. Uh, perhaps in the books. If Perhaps they exist. The Perhaps in the books. Okay. Uh, you know, there, there may be a point later on in season seven where we could discuss this as a possibility. But I think for right now, uh, I'm, I'm just I'm not really ready to entertain it seriously at this moment. OK, let's go back to Bravos. And Arya is sitting there on the street. And now it's time for the waif to come and beat Arya's ass again. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what happens. I'm going to beat you down. (laughs) Yeah. Arya versus the Waif, round two. Once again, the Waif is just going to school Arya uh, until, like, Arya is able to, like, strike out and somebody catches her staff, and it's not the Waif, but Jake and Hagar. Mm -hmm. And and he is, like, quizzing her again. Like, he's like, all right, who are you? And Arya, like, in this moment, it's like she'd been training for this for so long. She's like, if Jake and Hagar ever shows up again, tell him you're no one. You're always no one. That is your answer to everything. The most no one, nothing answers you've got. That's what you give. Uh, And so Jake and Agar says, who are you? She says, no one. He says, if a girl says her name, a man will let her sleep under a roof tonight. She says, a girl has no name. Mm. The girl says her name. She's going to get food. The girl has her no name. What food? (laughs) Mutton? (laughs) Oysters, clams, and cockles? Because I'm sick of oysters, clams, (laughs) and cockles. Yes. Unless you've got the vinegar, which is good. <laughs> he says, if a girl says her name, a man will give her her eyes back. And she, for the first time, like, seems like she, like, almost, almost breaks, but she doesn't. No. She doesn't break. Okay. All right. You're not a beggar anymore. Yeah. It was a pretty easy, uh, that was a pretty easy quiz to solve, I feel it was like. It a for test. Aria. It was a test, yeah. but she did yeah. it. Okay. All Light right. Test. Let's go up to Winterfell. Some unpleasant business to deal with uh, in Winterfell in this episode uh, regarding the Boltons. Yes, yes, okay. yes, yes. All right. New Lord Bolton is in the house. Yeah. All right. So the old Lord Bolton, uh, Roos, is getting the update about Sansa, about how uh, she and Theon are gone and Ramsey says we know where she's going she's going to go to Castle Black that's where her brother is Ramsey is trying to pitch an idea for a uh, assault on Castle Black right he's trying to to come up with this idea of like Jon Snow is up there we should probably you know take care of that deal and we certainly are going to want to take care of the Sansa thing and that's almost certainly where she is uh, but Roos is not really feeling it. Like if we kill the Lord commander of the night's watch, you're going to unite every house in the North against us. Uh, and if you acquire a reputation as a mad dog, you're going to be treated like a mad dog taken out back and slaughtered for pig feed, uh, which hopefully was not the food that Arya would have eaten if she had chosen the food option. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think that's an important line uh, about anytime uh, Ramsey is being compared to a dog uh, or being eaten by other animals. uh, I think that we should uh, at least mark that. I think it was also a a telling line when Ramsey is talking about uh, going after uh, Jon Snow at the at the wall. And Lord Karstark, the new Lord Karstark, uh, is talking about like, uh, hey, that's uh, Ned Stark's last surviving son. And Roos is very quick to point out uh, he's a bastard, not a Stark. Yeah. 
Yeah. Mm. Which is Rams, uh, well, so was I. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, Roos doesn't even say, well, you're one of the good ones. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're a good. Yeah, bastard. Not anymore. Not anymore. You're a great bastard. Yeah. Okay. So we do have some happy news. Uh, break out the cigars. Lady Walda has given birth, and it's a boy. Oh, that's not the news that they wanted. Hmm. That's, that's bad news for Roos ultimately because Ramsey's going to kill him for it. Yes. Uh, and Ramsey gives him a hug and says he looks forward to meeting his new brother. And then uh, Roos actually has like a nice moment here. He says, uh, you'll always be, be my firstborn. Yeah. And Ramsey's like, thanks, Dad. I really wanted you to say something like that. It means a lot to me. And those are the noises that one makes when they are being stabbed slash stabbing mm-hmm. in a climactic ending to a father son. Yeah. All right. So let's let's pour one out for Roos Bolton here. And do we have any thoughts on Roos Bolton? He had a good run. I mean, the the book version, this, you know, here's the book snobby thing to say. The book version of Roos Bolton is a better character for sure. There's like rumors that is, is he a vampire? Like, what's the deal with this guy? He seems so goth and weird and like the, the, the leeches. What about the leeches of the leech lord? You never really get any of that weirdness from the Roos Bolton mm-hmm. of the show. But Michael McKelleton is the actor who plays the character. I think is a great actor and brought his own thing to the character. Um, and I don't know. He, he was responsible for so many terrible things that he kind of goes a little quietly. I guess he goes similarly to the way that he killed Rob Stark, uh, you know, stabbed unexpectedly betrayed by someone that he never would have expected to be betrayed by. Uh, so wasn't wearing chain mail that day should have, you know, always be wearing chain mail. That's the lesson mm-hmm. from the red wedding. I haven't taken mine off since we watched that episode. Smart, smart. Yeah. Um, now, uh, poor Maester Walken in an unenviable uh, position, uh, first is told, all right, uh, send a letter to everybody, send a memo, uh, gr- group text, uh, <laughs> bad news, uh, Roose Bolton, uh, poisoned by his enemies. What happened to him? Uh, he was poisoned by his enemies. Yeah. Mr. Wolken is very quickly woke to the situation of like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta get on message with Ramsey. Otherwise this isn't going to be good for me. Yeah. And then request number two, send for lady Walda and the baby. Yeah. And that can only be very bad news. Uh, Mr. Wolken just say, oh, I think she's resting right now. Like, ah, uh, he's like, just gets a look. Yeah, she's going to be resting in pieces pretty soon. So just yeah. send her over and okay. you know, yada, yada, yada. Ramsey and Lady Walda and the baby go for a little stroll into the yeah. kennels and they get ripped to bits and it's gross. Yeah, really terrible and uh, very sad for uh, Lady Walda and baby. Yeah, baby Bolton. We barely knew you. Uh, terrible, terrible way for those characters to die. Uh, I think certainly in regards to Ramsey, uh, I do think that it is, uh, once again, uh, there's maybe a little bit of comfort in retrospect, knowing that these dogs will also be tearing him apart at some point in the not too distant future. Yeah. Uh, he is told by Lady Walda, you know, please, Ramsey, he's your brother. And he says, I like being an only child. I prefer <laughs> being an only child. Yeah. It's like my wife. Mm-hmm. She prefers it. <laughs> I like that. I like that moment where uh, where she keeps going, Ramsey, where's your father? Ramsey, where is he? Ramsey, where is Lord Bolton? And it, it's a, it is a great moment where he just looks and he goes, I am Lord Bolton. Mm. Like, ah, that's bad news. Not good. It's not great news. Okay. News. Josh, uh, let's check in with Theon. He's with Sansa and Brienne and Pod. And uh, we're, Brienne is giving Sansa the update of she did see Arya at one point. She looked good. She wasn't dressed exactly like a lady, but she looked good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. San- Sansa likes hearing about Arya and even though Arya is missing uh, I think that she likes knowing that Arya got out of there and that Arya uh, she's alive at least okay. for now now Brienne leaves out the part about the hound is that intentional does she know that Sansa knows the hound and, and maybe might not like that part of the story I think probably 
cut for time, you know, cut for uh, the the sake of efficiency. Uh, though it would have been nice to hear, uh, considering we know that the Hound is going to return in just a couple of episodes from now. Okay. All right. So we're going to then hear Theon talk about how, uh, you know, look, we got to we got to keep moving. Ramsey is, is still looking for us, everybody. Yeah, we shouldn't be lighting fires. He's not going to stop hunting us. And Sansa says, we just got to get to Castle Black. And this is when Theon kind of makes it clear. I'm not going to go to Castle Black. Yeah, why not? Why not? You could take the black. You could be forgiven by the whole thing. I'm not really feeling that. Not feeling the black, not feeling the forgiveness. I, you know, I know I didn't kill Brandon Rickon, but I did kill two farm boys. You know, I beheaded Sir Roderick and I totally betrayed Rob. Uh, so I don't want to be forgiven for any of that. I can never make amends to, to the Starks for what I did. Yeah. Theon says, look, I, I would have taken you all the way to the wall. Uh, I would have died to get you there. Well, why are you leaving now? Well, now he's got options. <laughs> he's like, if, if they didn't show up, I would have done. I would have definitely done it. But I mean, do you need all of us to take yeah. you to the wall? You definitely don't need me now. Like you've got Brienne. She's you know she's enough for you know seventeen Theons at least mm-hmm. conservatively. You know. Yeah. All right. Uh, speaking of Theon, uh, they ask him where he's going home, and um, we're going to check in with what's going on over on Pike. We have not seen Pike in a bit. No, uh, and here we are with the final stand of Balon Greyjoy, the return of Yara for the first time in a while. They, we get the update on like how things have been going for the Iron Islanders. Not great, it sounds like. Sounds like it's been bad for the Iron Islanders. It's been bad that they do not have possession of Deepwood Mott anymore. All of the lands that they tried to hold on the mainland, it is not working. Yara suggests a, a new course of action of like, hey, why don't we just, uh, you know, stick to the water? That's what we're good at. Yeah. And Balan's like, nope, we've already done the stuff. Let's continue doing the stuff. And they have a fight about it. And, uh, you know, he, he starts to get on her case about how, uh, you know, she went off to try and rescue Theon and she still doesn't feel bad about it. But blah, 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 blah. Uh, yeah. He's just he's just going to be mean and he's going to go and he's going to march off on her and he's going to have one final fatal encounter with a man on a bridge. Now, I still do not get the uh, blueprint for <laughs> for pike uh wh- why it seems like it's never a nice day uh, i don't understand why a shaky rope bridge is part of what connects the east wing to the west wing here at pike i think that the show does actually a really strong job of explaining this in how they have just kind of established that the Greyjoys are terrible at everything they do Mm -hmm. Uh, so why should designing pike be any different Mm -hmm. it's like yeah to get from the residency to the throne room uh all you have to do is cross like a 20 foot shaky bridge like from indiana jones and the temple of doom there's probably a bunch of rooms that he walked through that we didn't see and they're just getting us from you know scene to scene but uh, (laughs) the bridge is kind of inexcusable yeah very, a very unsafe bridge, unless it's like some sort of like secret passage bridge that Balon Greyjoy is using to get from like, I don't know, go to like his secret booze house. Right. And, you know, Euron ends up, uh, you know, throwing him off there. But it seemed like that there was like a non-zero chance that Balon Greyjoy was going to fall off this bridge <laughs> anyway. anyway. <laughs> yeah. It's raining. It's windy. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, you know, you would think that at the very least they would have some sort of like um, a uh, caliper that he would like uh, attach himself to as he walks through. I mean, the guy is uh, not a spring chicken. You just got to be safe. Safety first. Yeah. Like um, uh, a carabiner. That you carabiner. Can well, yeah. Yes. Cal- no, caliper is for measuring body fat. Uh, yeah. Is that right? <laughs> I think so. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So he's a look at you. Are you, are you a mountain climber? The more you know. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Uh, tell me about Euron Greyjoy, Josh. Uh, Euron Greyjoy is Balon Greyjoy's brother. He's got an eye patch, at least in the book. He uh, is potentially magical, at least in the book. 
in mm-hmm. both the book and the show. He is pirate-esque, at least pirate-adjacent. Uh, he has uh, traveled all over the world and seen so many different things and uh, has been nomadic in nature and as cruel as they come. And here he is to step into the Game of Thrones picture and cause all kinds of problems for not just the Greyjoys, but eventually the Targaryens as well. And he's like, uh, OK, that's it. We've had enough of you, Balon Greyjoy. Yeah. What kind of an ironborn loses his senses in a little storm? Yeah, just some kind of some kind of turd. That's what Balon says when uh, there were reports that Euron was losing his mind. And Euron right. says, I am the storm. I am the storm, the first storm and the last and also the first one out storm. <laughs> I am Josie. <laughs> how is how is Balon Greyjoy's back? Not great at the end of this scene. <laughs> not, great, not great. Not okay. Yeah, Balon's back's not all right. Yeah, uh, Euron throws Balon off the bridge. Uh, I think that he should have done the classic move of he needed to like wrap the ropes from the bridge around his wrists, uh, and then he would have been fine once uh, Euron tries to cut the bridge. Well, yeah, but then he'd still like he he and the bridge would get smashed into rocks. So now, mm. like, not only are you getting smashed into rocks anyway, but you're also getting smashed into rocks and bridge pieces. And you've been like left to dwell for longer on your impending fate. So I think all things being equal, like Balon was not getting out of this one alive. So probably like he should have just like gotten the thing that he got. Yeah. Very quickly, uh, the next morning we're talking about, okay, what is going to happen next? And so we see a lot of the Ironborn uh, talking about, okay, well, uh, what do we do now that Balon is gone? And Yara says, hey, my dad wanted me to be the ruler. Is that really like how he truly felt, do we think? You know? Hmm. Yeah, we don't know. I mean, that was a pretty uh, contentious final scene between the two of them. So a little contentious, but uh, I feel like that as his only heir, it seems like uh, that that might be his logical choice. But say what you will about Balon Greyjoy. He had a lot of air. You know, it really like it hung down to his mid back. Like he had a little bit of a balding thing, but Mm. he was looking might a lot's going on on top of his scalp. Yeah. Uh, King's Moot will ultimately determine uh, who is going to be the winner of the the Pike Caucus. The King's Moot is one of like the weirdest, most unnecessary things that George R. R. Martin ever created and spent time on in the world of Ice and Fire. That's uh, saying a lot. And it, it's just it's so unusual. And it's probably, you know, the Miranese not gets a lot of credit for why uh, George has been so hung up on um, not finishing this story. There's just so much plot complexity happening in Marine. I might argue that just like deciding to spend any time on the Iron Islands and do the King's Moot, which takes like 100 pages of the book. Uh, like, I feel like that must have been like a, he got out of that. And he's like, I'm exhausted. That was a lot. That took a lot out of me. That mm. took a lot out of me, man. It just it it does not play especially well on the show. Like some of it's kind of fun in the book, but on the show, like the whole thing is just like rushed and dumb and stupid. And there's going to be the great like you're on Greyjoy and his posse march through the rocks in the next episode or two. So I don't know. Get out of okay. here with the King's Moon as quickly as we can. All right. Maybe Yara will be the first woman in history to rule the Ironborn. Perhaps not, though. We'll see. TBD we'll see. on that front. We'll see. A lot of women come into power in the Game of Thrones universe. Uh, that's true. Yeah. I mean, that's something we've definitely talked about before on the on the regular podcast, if not on Winter Was Here, that I think that that is a theme that's bubbling up where I think that will continue. I think that that will be, uh, there will be a great face of change in Westeros if Westeros is still standing. And I think that there will be a lot of women in charge uh, by the end of this story. Okay. Let's go back to Castle Black and see a conversation between Melisandre and Davos. And Davos wants to know, is there anything you could do for Jon Snow? I don't know. Am I am I ridiculous for being so hung up on this? Am I ridiculous for being like for being like kind of annoyed that Davos is the guy who posits to Melisandre like, wait, can't you like bring him back to life? Like of 
all of the people who have died in Davos's life, his son, uh, Stannis, Shireen, all of these people who have died. And to be fair, he doesn't know Shireen is dead, right? No, he knows. He just doesn't know. He doesn't know how. He doesn't know how. He doesn't know how. But like, he has never once, and he's been so skeptical of Melisandre all the way through, and he has never once been like, could you bring any of these awesome people that I really, really, really love and have spent a lot of time with back to life? He brings this out when it comes to Jon Snow, of all people. I just, I don't get it. This is so out of character for Davos for me. This has never played well. On the rewatch, it still does not play well. I just don't, I don't know. I don't get it. Maybe it's just his back is against the wall. He's seen a lot of stuff at this point. Desperate, grasping at straws. Are we grasping at straws when we're trying to like, you know, come up with a justification for this? I just, doesn't it feel so weird? It just doesn't make any kind of sense. Like why is Davos suggesting resurrection for Melisandre to come into a room where Davos and Tormund are having a beer or whatever, uh, you know, and being like, Listen, I've had a really hard time recently and things have not been going well, but there's one last thing that I could try right now. I think I would buy that sooner than Davos being the one to be like, can you bring him back to life? It's just so out of character for somebody who has been so hard thumbs down on magic all series long. It is uh, an extremely fair point. Very, very valid that the ultimate skeptic uh, is the one pushing for uh, let's go back to the well. So, yeah, I, I hear you. All right. Don't at me if you disagree. Or <laughs> at Pineapple Boy 27. We'll yeah. take our complaints. Um, anyway, Davos uh, is you know trying to convince us. She's like, no, you were right. I was wrong. I, that magic stinks. Yeah, <laughs> so stupid. It's like, so no. dumb. It's so no. dumb. Okay. And so they end up sort of like uh, coming back around, and uh, you know, uh, Davos says, "Look, sorry, let me. I'm trying to yada yada this conversation. Yep. Uh, Getting close, so close. Okay. Um, and Mel Sandra does say, "Well, you know, there, there was this one time I did. I did see another guy uh, bring somebody back from the dead." Yeah, she's like, look, oh, I, there you go. I Why, know what? a guy. Mm, yeah. And so she says, well, you know, uh, uh, you know, I met a man who came back from the dead, but the priest who did it, it shouldn't have been possible. But it was. She said she never had this gift. And Dava says, have you ever tried? Mm, yeah. Uh, and Mel Sandra's like, no, I can't. The Lord of Light, he never talked to me. And, and Davos says, uh, F him then. F all of them. I'm not yeah. a devout man. Seven gods, drowned gods, tree gods. It's all the same. Let's give it a shot. Yeah, I'm not talking to the Lord of Light. I'm talking to you who showed me that miracles exist. Mm-hmm. It's like okay. miracles. Like now, now he's just like chewing on roast kneecap at this point. Right. Like, uh, you know, the, the, what an about face for, for Davos and yep. Alessandra. Davos could have just been like, do you have anything else going on this afternoon? <laughs> we are, are so booked. <laughs> we, we could are, you humor me? <laughs> we are fully bored. Mm. Please. Yeah. So, uh, for somebody who has no idea how to do this, Melisandre sure does a good job. Well, maybe uh, she yeah, does some reading. She Googles, yeah. uh, watches a YouTube video real quick. I on, believe uh, it's how to do Bing. This. Yeah. <laughs> she watches, yeah, Bing's uh, something. And so, all right. So everybody gets together and light as a feather, stiff as a board. <laughs> light as a feather, stiff as a board. Uh, Bloody Mary. And they're going to try it. Uh, does she know what she's doing or is she just like... Yeah. She obviously does because he comes back, but like it's just like it's a delayed reaction. It's like time release. She's going to uh, clean him with a sponge. Right. She cuts a little hair off, which you have to imagine Kit Harrington was pumped about. He's like, get some of this off of me, please. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, quickly moves on like, eh, didn't work. Didn't work. Sorry, guys. We tried. Yeah, we tried. Uh, everybody's ultimately going to leave. Ghost wakes up, looks at Jon Snow, and then Jon Snow wakes up. Guess what? He's back. Wake up. Yeah. Jon <laughs> Snow back from the dead. Here he is. Going to hang in Host there. Host a morning show at the <laughs> Night's Watch. <laughs> he's got options now, right? Like, I mean, he's released from the Night's Watch. He can do whatever he wants. Yeah. 
So yeah, he could be uh he could join <laughs> he could co-anchor Wake Up San Francisco with Carl and Dickon's brother Danny Tanner. Yeah. <laughs> the third Tanner. Yeah. Have mercy. Yeah. Have have Rest mother's peace, mercy. Their, their late yeah. sister. Yeah. yeah. All right. So there we have it. That's <laughs> season six, episode two. Yes. Uh, slow start to season six of Game of Thrones. But now Jon Snow is back in the game and we can start making some moves. Although Jon Snow's first moves in Game of Thrones season six as an alive person again will be questionable as well, I think, in the grand scheme of things. So uh, plenty to chew on next week as we get into episode three. Okay. All right. Anything else about today's episode, Josh? No, I'm good unless you've got something. Can you tease uh, what else might be coming in episode 603 of Game of Thrones? Oathbreaker is the next episode. Yes. Next episode of Game of Thrones. We're going to get some more brand visions now that we're back in brand mode, beast mode brand. We're going to see Ned Stark again. We're going to see the Tower of the Joy sequence, which is going to be fun uh john snow is going to get sweet sweet vengeance against the members of the night's watch who stabby stab stabbed him which is uh a thing that i'm sure we will talk about uh we're gonna see samuel tarley again they're gonna be on a boat they're on a boat that's exciting no medevacs mm. as far as i recall <laughs> uh and some more king's landing and marine business to deal with danny's gonna get to via stothrak and unfortunately we're gonna see some more of Arya's training sessions ah uh, okay i'm sorry i'm so sorry all right oh rick on stark is coming back as well okay but we are in season six we are rolling so uh be on the lookout for that next week here on post show recaps of course uh looking forward to getting into it again uh with you next time you can follow josh wiggler on twitter he's at round howard i'm at rob sister take care everybody have a good one bye